of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadclaw Studio, and I'm joined by Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio. Hi, everyone. Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Irene Roderick. Hello, everybody. Now, before we jump into all the quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Irene? Yes. um, I've always been a maker and basically an artist and specialized in painting since I was 10 years old. And so I'm a long time crafter. Um, When I retired in 2016, I discovered quilting and I traded in my paintbrushes for my sewing machine and my rotary cutter and never have looked back. And whereabouts are you in the U.S.? I'm in Austin, Texas, where we had tornadoes last night. It was really exciting. Yeah. Oh, really? Exciting, terrifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you from Austin originally? I basically I am. My mom was actually born in a house down the street from here. So yes, we're oh. Austinites from 1860 something. Oh wow. oh wow! Yeah. So you mentioned you're originally trained as a painter. Can you tell us, if, you know, how you became a quilter as well? Yes. Um, I built a tiny house that I knew I was going to move into. And when you walk in the front door, the first thing you see is the bed. So I wanted something really cool on the bed. And quilting was not on my radar. Nobody in my family ever quilted. And so I Googled modern quilt, not knowing that it's a thing. And of course, (laughs) up pops Nancy Crow, Gwen Marston, Denise Schmitz, uh, her favorite quilt of mine, which is big orange, you know, two panels of orange with a skinny line across the middle. And I looked at that and I went, that's what I want. But I had to learn how to quilt in order to get one. And so I took took a quilting class. We made um, a nine patch out of half square triangles. And it was in a store with probably 3000 fabrics. Uh, designed by pattern and color and style and I just fell in love so I just came home and started playing and um, just kept going and painting didn't interest me anymore but working with fabric just hit me perfectly it's like I've been looking for it all of my life and I finally found what I was supposed to do now, from that original um, nine patch with half square triangles, you've you've since then gone into the world of improv quilting. Can you yes. tell us how you ended up moving into that genre? Yeah, I spent the first year kind of designing my own thing because I've designed needlepoint. I was a painter. I know how to do that and was really kind of experimenting, but making and learning all the traditional quilting techniques I've done. English paper piecing. I've done, made a a double wedding ring. I actually started a Dear Jane quilt, if you know what that is. Very Mm -hmm. old traditional quilt. So I kind of looked into everything. And then one day I was playing with looking at a print by Friedrich Hundertwasser, who is an Austrian painter and printer and architect and crazy person. 
and looking at his prints and they just were speaking to me. And a lot of them, if you look at them, have like little log cabins in them or checkerboards or stripes. And I was just playing one afternoon and I thought, I'm going to try to make one of those. So I started making wonky log cabins and just sticking them on my wall and realized after a while that I could rearrange them and I could actually just create a quilt on the wall instead of having to plan it first. And that was the first foray into improv. And it was just, I realized, you know, six hours later that I was still playing. It just hit something (laughs) in me that just, it just speaks to me. And to be able to create a quilt like I do a painting just kind of came naturally. So, and luckily I didn't grow up with quilting, so I didn't know about quilt police. So I was just doing anything I wanted. Yeah. So we're, we're taking your own words. Uh, you mentioned that through your improv patchwork, you've really learned to embrace that joy of creative mm-hmm. intuition, spontaneous ex- expression, and and blind trust in the process. So do you ever get stuck while making? And how do you kind of overcome those creative blocks? I don't have creative blocks. I never get stuck. I just keep moving forward. And I get that question, you know, quite a bit is what do you do when you can't, I don't ever not think of something. I will just start playing. I mean, you just have to take the next step. And so I I don't, because each step leads to the next. And so even if I'm walking my studio and my wall is blank, I just pick up a scrap off the floor and I'll stick it on the wall and I'm off. So I really don't ever have those kind of creative blocks because it's it's just also exciting and there's always something to see and learn and keep growing from. And so I just keep moving through it. And if I don't make anything that's useful in, you know, three or four days, it's just fabric. Who cares? You know, it's, but I probably learned something and I filled my time and I've more likely than not, I have started a whole new piece. Um, you recently wrote a book called Improv Quilting, where you walk us uh, through your improv process of dancing with the wall. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us more about that? Uh, yeah. So the book came about, <laughs> if we're going to start there, the book came about because I was contacted by a woman in London who runs a little tiny press and asked if I wanted to write a book. And I was just, no, um, I don't know how to write a book. <laughs> But she pitched it to me and uh, I said, okay, let's do this. So we got started doing that. That's how the book came to be. Now, the process, the process basically is exactly the way I make all my quilts. I take a piece of fabric or something that's a leftover or something that I've messed with a little bit. I'll put it in the middle of my wall. I'll step back. I'll look at it. I'll decide what I'm going to do next. So I respond to what's in front of me. I make the next piece by going, you know, cutting table, sewing machine, iron, back to the design wall. That's what I do all day long. Listening to music is just like dancing. And that's where the dancing with the wall came from. So it's a a step-by-step process, shall we say. So when you're starting off with a new work, do you have a color palette in mind? Or are you kind of grabbing from your scrap bin? I'm just grabbing. I never have a color palette in mind. I don't really ever know where I'm going. I explained to my students that every time I have an empty design wall and I walk in, 
I get that feeling in the pit of my stomach that it's not going to work this time. Don't know what you're thinking. You should have a better idea of what you're doing. But I have to trust that process. And, you know, I've made 100 quilts now with the process. But I don't, it doesn't matter to me what colors I'm going to be using. I choose colors as I go. I'll start with whatever is at hand that ever, you know, is speaking to me that day. I'll put it up there. And then as I need to to add colors, I will audition sometimes up to 50 different colors um, to make sure that they play well with what's already there. But, and if you look at a lot of my quilts, there aren't a lot of colors in them. You'll see a lot of quilts are basically two to three color quilts. And so that's something too, is that I don't feel the need to kind of plan ahead with a palette because I just let it kind of go improv as well. So when you're creating a new quilt, um, do you often have like a story or a theme in mind? Uh, no, basically I do kind of work in series, but it's just that one quilt kind of leads to the next. And so lately for the last year, I've been doing a lot of big circle quilts um, and trying to figure out how many different ways can I use big circles in a quilt. But um, I've also done kind of a lot of uh, the line quilts, which are based on seeing if I could make a drawing on the surface of a quilt. And I started with kind of dancing quilts to see if how many different kinds of movement I could portray in a quilt. And so even though I don't have a story to start with, sometime I have what I call an intent that I just kind of have a project set up for myself and I just want to see if I can do it. So some folks might think that, you know, the idea of writing a book on improv, on putting a structure on improv might be a little counterintuitive. So how did you kind of, how did you come up with, you know, your approach and how do you create structure within something that people can see as free free form? That's exactly the way I thought about it. Uh, when I was first asked to put together a workshop back about four years, and I thought, how do you make, do a workshop? How do you define, you know, how to work just kind of intuitively. And so on the next quilt, I started writing down everything that I did. Pain in the butt. But I just, every time I did something, I wrote it down. And I did that for two quilts. And so that gave me the structure and I realized how I was thinking and how I was building the quilts. And I realized then that I was using kind of these same shapes that I call components over and over again. And so those are in the book. And so what I realized is it's, you know, I am using these structures, these tools, these building blocks without realizing it so much. And so the way to really think about the, what I do is I'm using color and design and I'm building from these components and I'm responding to what's in front of me. And so I basically took my workshop exactly and my handouts and I rewrote them into book form. It's pretty much all it is. And it's, I only have the one trick as you want to call it. And, um, and so it's just the other part of improv is getting people to relax and trust themselves. And I really try to stress that in workshops and also in the book, there's a lot of talk about relax, play, let it happen. Do, you know, ask the what if questions 
and just let it happen. Is that one of the biggest like um, internal roadblocks that you've noticed through your through teaching and the book? Yes, yes. The people that have the hardest time are longtime quilters. I have one student that she takes classes over and over, and she always tells me, "You know how hard this is. I've been quilting for forty years. My points line up. You know how hard this is." I'm going, "Yeah, you really have, but just you can do it." But and so if you've kind of been instilled with all of these, what a quilt is supposed to be, it's much more difficult. I find the brand new quilters, they don't have any qualms. They are just going. Um, they don't know that they're not supposed to do things, you know, the way I say. And so, yeah, definitely a problem. So for folks who are interested in diving into improv patchwork for the first time, what would be your top three tips? Okay. They are relax and play. (laughs) Go into it with absolutely no expectations. And that's really, really, really difficult. Yeah. And ask a lot of what if questions. And so, you know, playing implies experimentation, but it is, it's letting everything kind of go and just letting what's in you come out. Uh, Rosalie Dace is a, an art quilter in South Africa. And she says, whatever goes in your head comes out your fingertips. And I agree with that. I mean, but my best advice is relax and play, have fun, see what happens. Are there things that still surprise you about the improv patchwork process? Yes. (laughs) That it works. (laughs) (laughs) No. And I talk about, you know, to friends, we'll talk about the moment that the hair on the back of your neck stands up. There are those moments where it's not working. It's not working. It's, you know, it's kind of, what am I going to do? It's not what is, and then you'll put a piece up unexpected and all of a sudden it all falls into place. I mean, that moment is what I live for. And that's what improv quilters I think live for is that moment that suddenly something happens and it can be, you know, a relationship between two colors. It can be a relationship like secondary shapes that are made when you're putting things next to each other. There's always a sense of surprise um, in an improv quilt. I mean, that's what I love about it is it's never boring. It's always something happening that you don't expect. And the other thing that I always find very interesting is that I will plan in my head, oh, this piece will look really good right here, right? I'm going to go make it. And I'll get it over there and put it up and it looks horrible. And I'll think, where is the place I would never think to put this piece? And I will move it down to that location and that's where it wants to be. I mean, it's just a fascinating process of kind of discovery. So in addition to your improv patchwork work, do you also improvise your quilting? Sort of. I'm a lousy quilter. I have been working on a Q20 Bernina Q20 sit down machine. And what kind of comes natural on that is like one quarter inch lines, you know, equal kind of parallel. But I switch them in in different areas. And so as I'm going along, I'll be going one direction and then I'll switch and go the other direction. And um, that's about as improv as it gets. (laughs) 
Um, now that I have a long arm, which is brand new, um, I'm having to rethink everything because I only have 13 inches and I keep running out of, I keep running into the bumpers. And um, so I'm learning to improv my quilting more. Do you ever find yourself going back to more traditional patchwork techniques just to change things up? Or is it your own patchwork practice, purely improvisational? No, I actually do go back. Um, I love quilting. I love traditional quilts. Um, That's part of what I liked about starting the Dear Jane kind of project is that she comes with no instructions. And so you each, each patch square that she's made, you have to figure out how to make it. And so you know, some have to be paper piece, some have to be applique. I've done huge applique quilts because I just find them fascinating. And I do think, you know, it every I try to learn new techniques whenever I can. I have a good friend, Sarah Bond, who teaches paper piecing. And I've taken classes from her because I really kind of want to understand the entire world of quilting. Mm-hmm. It's all interesting and fascinating. And in improv, if you've ever done it, you will come across things that seem impossible. And so it's really nice to know all the different techniques that maybe will work to get a piece to kind of settle in. Do I have to applique it on? Maybe. Do I need to paper piece it to make it fit? Maybe. And so I find all of those as um, tools but I also just love the way they look. And I do, I, I, you know, you need different things to think about and do. So yeah, definitely. So in addition to quilting, you also dye fabrics. Have you been doing this for a long time or is it a recent discovery? I started doing it about six months after I started quilting because a friend of mine um, in my guild came up and said, wouldn't you love to have an indigo vat in your kitchen? I said sure why not um and so we actually as she had experience but we actually made an organic henna indigo vat and I kept it in my kitchen and I fed it and stirred it and like sourdough you know you have to take care of these things better than kids as far as pets um (laughs) and so I discovered later it's because her husband's the cook and he wouldn't let her keep an indigo vat in his kitchen. Uh, But since I lived alone, I could. And so we started experimenting with indigo right after I started quilting and became fascinated with, you know, shibori and all the kind of the techniques of indigo. And of course, then that leads to avocado dyeing and onion skin dyeing, which then leads to other natural dyeing, which then leads to taking classes on fiber reactive dyes because (laughs) you need brighter colors. And so I use dyeing more as a tool than as a practice these days. And do you, when you're quilting, do you use mainly store-bought fabrics just your own dyed fabrics or a mix of both? I mix them. Um, It's harder now that I've moved back in the tiny house two years ago. I can do little pieces, you know, Mm -hmm. in my sink as far as dyeing, but I don't have the means to do really yardage. Um, I share my washing machine with two of my kids that live next door and they don't like it when I 
turn all of their clothes lavender and pink. Um, so yeah so there are certain colors that I really need and both directions and so yes I do order and I use hand dyes. So in addition to quilting painting and fabric dyeing you also create sculptures. For those in our audience who are aren't familiar with the aspect of your work can you tell us more about these sculptures? Yes um I went to graduate school in California. And while I was in California, I um, started riding motorcycles. And a lot of my artwork in graduate school was very gender-based. And so the relationship between things that were kind of male activities versus female activities. And motorcycle riding is pretty much a male activity. Lots of fun, though. And I moved back to Texas, and I didn't have access anymore to motorcycles and to go riding. And so I just decided that I would build my own. And um, so I started making life-size motorcycle sculptures out of cardboard and basically covering them with fabric, that kind of thing. So they were really artwork. And then when I moved into the tiny house, I didn't have a lot of room for things. And so I started doing some beading and I started covering motorcycle helmets with beads um, just for fun. And everything I kind of do is just for fun. Um, the motorcycles kind of, you know, I did a few and then quit because I don't have the space for them. And then they weren't very sturdy. There is one that is in the Fine Arts Library at the University of Texas. It's covered with feathers. Um, so that one still exists. A lot of the other ones have kind of been destroyed. So, but, you know, it's just another challenge. Can I do something 3D? And I'm really thinking about, can you quilt 3D? That may be next. So it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Irene? I am so ready. Okay. Anna, why don't you kick us off? Okay. What is your favorite time of day to quilt? First thing in the morning, 6 a.m., best time, fresh, but still groggy. So you can really get complex things done without knowing it. And where do you sew? I sew in my tiny house and now in my new studio. And do you wear shoes, slippers, socks while sewing? I don't wear shoes for anything. I hate shoes. So <laughs> I always take my shoes off uh, when I start quilting. You can't dance in shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you listen to music, Netflix, podcasts, or silence while you're sewing? I usually start with music, and then I go to uh, books on tape or podcasts for the afternoon. Do you have a current favorite? Uh, my favorite music to listen to is bluegrass and um, women's rock and roll are my two favorite. I kind of go back and forth. And then... The best books on tape are uh, Louise Penny's Inspector Gamache books that are set in kind of outside of Montreal. There's a lot of them, and they're really good. <laughs> Do you have a favorite snack while quilting? I don't snack. I can't because then I'll get food on the quilts. Cheetos don't look good on quilts. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite traditional block you like to improv? I think Log Cabin is the one I improv the most. Yeah. 
which, which workshop do you like to teach the most? All of Improv, them. Irene, <laughs> All of them? Okay, all right. <laughs> well, they each. We won't make you choose. Well, yeah, because they each have their, their appeal. Like Quick Step is the beginners. And to see them learn and ex- get excited about the process is so fun. And then the choreography and the design class are more advanced students. And they make, they step up to the plate and make amazing quilts. I mean, they all put in the energy and the time. And it's a, it's like a graduate class where we do a lot of talking. And so that has to be a favorite. And then Voltron, well, what's not to love about Voltron? You see all the colors and the patterns and they're all on my Zoom screen, you know, and it's just like, whoa. So yeah, I love all of them. So I'm guessing the next question of, do you have a favorite quilt in your book is also all of them? Uh, no, I mean, I still have to be kind of attached to the one that's on the uh, co- cover. It's called Clinging to the Edge. And that's the one where I wrote every step down. And it's kind of a self-portrait, I feel like. I really look like that. And, um, <laughs> I, you know, I've always just kind of been, that's the one that I'm most fond of. And where can you purchase your book? Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. Target has it to order and local bookshops because it is published by um, Penguin Random House. You can pretty much get it everywhere. And so a lot of people have bought it at their local bookstores too. And do you have a favorite color? Well, yeah. (laughs) I, (laughs) I am known in some circles for Irene Green which is pretty much a dirty chartreuse. I have a friend who calls it snot green. It's perfect. (laughs) Um, My other favorite is Kona Flame. It's the perfect red-orange that kind of warms up and goes with everything. So those are my two favorites. Do you have a snot green Kona color? Pickle and wasabi. Both of them work, yeah. What color fabric do you use the most? White. I tend to build on a white wall, so I tend to use a lot of white. And do you prefer solids or print fabrics? Solids. And do you have a favorite fabric designer? Marsha Durse. What is the last fabric you bought? I actually just bought two yards of Moda Bella Sangria because the quilt I'm working on, I needed that hot purple pink, and it was the perfect color. And what's your favorite quilt shop? Uh, there's a quilt shop here, um, close to here, called uh, Over the Top Quilting. Um, it's the, pretty much the only quilt shop left in Austin. We can't seem to support a fabric store or quilting store as much, so I have to go to that one. And how do you organize your fabrics? Color. I'm supposed to do them by value, but I can't. I love to see them rainbow on the wall, so they have to be color. And what do you do with your scraps? In the old days, I'd take them to the guild meetings and people would make dog beds. They would fill them. Mm -hmm. These days, Austin has a composting thing and they actually compost. So basically put them in my compost bin. Yeah. And what sewing notion couldn't you live without? My seam ripper. I think I unsew (laughs) as much as I sew. Yeah. (laughs) And what sewing machine do you sew on? I have an old Bernina 930. My understanding, it was the last one that 
Mama Bernina actually designed, and it's you can still get to the inside and its metals. But I also have an old 1950s singer in a cabinet that is a workhorse. <laughs> Best beautiful stitching ever. So those those are the two I go back and forth on. And what thread brand do you use? I use a lot of Superior. They have a 50 weight and a 60 weight that work in my machines. My machines are picky. My big long arm only likes Madeira threads, which are not easy to find. Um, but it it shreds everything else. Yeah. It's just like, oh, wow. yeah, you put anything else in it, it goes, uh-uh, not eating that stuff. And so <laughs> put the Madeira in. It loves it. Yeah. Uh, pressing preference, open to the dark side? Whichever works. I'd okay. pay no attention. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so pick one. Improv curves, improv stripes, or improv triangles? Curves. <laughs> <laughs> and Duh. do you have a, <laughs> <laughs> a go to long arm quilter? Yeah, I was saying earlier, I don't know any long arm quilters. I just now got my long arm. So I'm just now kind of experimenting and looking into long arm quilting. So, so not you're, yet. You're your own go to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, do you like to machine or hand bind? The way I bind is I sew it on with the sewing machine and then hand whip it onto the back. So it's a mixture. Yeah. Um, spray pin or thread based? Pin. And what was your favorite part of the book writing process? I was really surprised about writing a book. I really enjoyed the words. I really enjoyed sitting down and actually telling the story the best the pictures kind of just you know fall into place but yeah I really enjoyed writing the story and what is your favorite part of the quilting process starting the designing you know playing with the wall and what's your least favorite part of the quilting process quilting (laughs) (laughs) I have to sit for three days or stand for three days when I want to be designing but I want to do it myself. And so I, you know, I have to do it, but it's, it's the most tedious for me. And what is one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Cursing? (laughs) I thought about this one a lot. I don't really have a lot of bad quilting habits that I can think of. Cursing is not a bad habit. It's just. No, it's it's not. It's it's a necessity. Yeah. 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 Just salt and pepper. Seasoning. Conversation (laughs) seasoning. Exactly. (laughs) Who's your quilty BFF? I have two groups that I I see once a week. Um, The first one are, we call ourselves Indigo Domin because one of the women is German and we wanted to be the Indigo Girls, but duh, somebody's already took that name. So, (laughs) but it's, it's a group of five of us that started with Indigo Dying and we've just stuck it out and we just get together and die and quilt. And then I also meet with, um, Two quilters, Annie Hudnut and Patty Kapok, um, who I met at QuiltCon here in Austin in 2019. And we put together a group and we meet every Tuesday morning. Who is your quilty crush? I have several quilters that kind of walk the line between modern quilting and art quilting. Uh, I feel like we kind of do contemporary quilting right in the middle. Um, uh, uh, Susan Lapham and it's L-A-P-H-A-M you should see her quilts are amazing um, Peggy Black does a lot of quilts and um, 
that are improv and Michael Ross is doing a lot of improv quilting and they all do amazing work and different improv quilting. And so I'm just going to say they're my, they're my crushes right now. And what is your favorite recent make? When I first moved in the studio, I was unpacking and I've been using these big shapes out of black um, that I kind of started doing at Nancy Crow's workshop. And I just put them on the wall and they kind of turned into birds. I have two parakeets that are hiding in the bathroom right now because they're too noisy. Um, <laughs> and I think I was missing them. And I started this quilt called, and I call it the birds and they're sitting on and they talking to each other. And um, that's, that's my favorite right now. And how many quilts are in your work in progress pile right now? One. I, I finish quilts. I start them, I finish them before I start a new one. So do you have any other interests? Yeah, I do a lot of walking. I actually coach a, uh, a half marathon quilting, uh, quilting, walking group. <laughs> um, we quilt and walk. That's cool. Um, I love to work out. Um, I also started doing some really strange three-dimensional crocheting uh, lately um which has been kind of fun in the evenings because I don't have my studio at home to do things at night so I started 3D crochet now before we wrap today up we've got just a couple more questions for you and first up are who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why I mean I always follow Selvage magazine uh their their website and their magazine and their posts um because their photography is so gorgeous and it's all textile based and it's all kinds of textiles um i wrote down actually six of them um sf moma i yeah. mean i follow more art sites than i do quilting sites um but sf moma posts something every day and they're always very different and um carlino uh carlina aneto um she oh, posts yeah. for herself but she also posts I think it's every day a different artist, a different quilter, and has an in-depth kind of look at them. And and that's been really, really nice. Just and to be introduced to other quilters through her research. But I also, you know, follow the Textile Art Center. I follow a lot of um, Aboriginal painting. I love Aboriginal paintings. Um, there's one called uh, the National Gallery of Victoria has a yeah. Instagram and they have amazing work. And when I go to Australia, I love that museum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good museum. If I ever get yeah. to go to Melbourne. So if I had to like only follow six, those would be the six <laughs> I'd probably, because they're, they're a good mixture. And before we sign off, do you have any fun projects on the horizon that you can share with us? I am going to be traveling and teaching in person this year, and I'm excited about that. I'm going to be teaching at the Northwest Pacific Art School on Whidbey Island, also quilting by the lake up through Schweinfurth Art Center in uh, upstate New York in Syracuse. Um, I'm going to the Stitch Quilting Store in Durango next in May. That's exciting. Um Go to Australia in November. Mm. So I've got a lot of adventures out there. Um, as far as quilting, 
I was griping because my quilts are getting too big since I moved in the studio. So I was complaining about that and how they wouldn't fit on my new long arm. And I immediately went down to the studio and designed, I mean, started working on a quilt that's turning out to be six feet tall and 25 feet long. So, um, wow. <laughs> but it's really fun. And so that's in the studio. That's where I'm going to be having some fun. So we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadclaw Studio. Wendy. I am the dot weekend quarter. Anna. I am at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Irene. I am at Hickson IR, which is spelled H-I-X-S-O-N-I-R. <laughs> or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope that you subscribe to the show and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Nailed it. <laughs> Perfect. Yay. Yay.